Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Welcome to No Rain Date, the podcast of Sock and Source. I'm the publisher of Sock and Source and your host for No Rain Date, Josh Popachak. And I'd like to welcome you to episode 20. This is the news roundup for the week ending September 10th, 2020. The big story, or one of them right now, is fall sports in Saucon Valley. The Saucon Valley School Board voted to allow fall sports to take place at their meeting on Tuesday night. That means that football, girls soccer, and a number of other sports that are played at the high school level will be happening with COVID-19 safety precautions in place, of course. The first football game won't be played for several weeks, and that will be against Penn Argyle on the weekend of September 26th. Continue to follow Sock and Source for all the latest updates on local sports, and we are excited to be also planning to live stream some games, so look for information about that in the near future. An intersection that has been the scene of numerous accidents in the Saucon Valley area is now under scrutiny, with officials from Lower Saucon Township requesting that PennDOT perform a traffic study to see if an additional stop sign is needed there. The intersection is actually in the city of Bethlehem, where the Freemansburg Bridge, Riverside Drive, and Shimersville Road meet. If you're familiar with the area, that's basically just outside Steel City in Lower Saucon. This intersection was the scene of a wreck last week in which a car jumped a concrete barrier and became wedged on top of the outer wall of the bridge with part of the vehicle actually jutting out into open space. Fortunately, there were no pedestrians on the sidewalk at the time and and the driver was not seriously injured. Readers have reported that several similar accidents have occurred in the same spot in the past year. So we'll be following the story and let you know if PennDOT decides to approve the traffic study. Another big story this week is an announcement from Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf about restaurants' dining capacity. Restaurants have been limited to a 25% of their maximum seating capacity inside the restaurants since the middle of July, and that's because COVID-19 case numbers began to spike at that point. Case numbers are still somewhat high, depending on what part of the state you're in. Some counties are doing much better than others. However, Wolf said that the dining capacity for all restaurants will be increased to 50% of maximum capacity. Again, that's inside the restaurants starting September 21st. The catch, if there is one, is that restaurant owners who want to seat more patrons inside will have to complete a self-certification process. Essentially, they'll be doing this online and testifying to the fact that they're following all health and safety procedures, also swearing that, you know, that their statements are truthful. The governor in his news release said that Pennsylvania State Police and other agencies will be continuing to monitor restaurants to see that they are in compliance. 
that's certainly a relief for you know many restaurant owners who were concerned that with fall temperatures coming they're not going to be able to seat many people outside for much longer now they will at least have the option to seat more people inside i'm sure many will want to do that self-certification once they do that they'll be listed on a website that customers can access to see which restaurants in their area have completed that process and attested to the fact that they're following all safety regulations. In police news, we continue to cover campaign sign thefts throughout the area. Police have been responding to numerous reports of political signs being stolen from yards. We have covered cases in Williams Township, as well as Haycock Township, Nakamixon Township, Lower Saucon Township, and Hellertown Borough. In Hilltown Township, police last week put out a public service announcement due to recent thefts of their own Support Our Police signs and also urged residents not to steal political campaign signs. And once again, we'd like to echo that sentiment. You're certainly not accomplishing anything by stealing somebody's sign except infringing perhaps on their First Amendment rights. Certainly, you know, consider that if you see somebody doing that, please ask them to stop or, you know, certainly don't do it yourself. There's no excuse for taking somebody else's property. And also these actions are influencing other people and including kids who might see that and think it's something cool to do. We're hopeful that the campaign sign thefts won't continue, but unfortunately they are likely to escalate over the next two months before the election due to the current political climate. There was a wildlife sighting in Lower Saucon last week. A resident of Ridge Drive, which is in Wassergoss, shared photos and video of a black bear wandering through his neighborhood. The resident said the bear has been hanging around that area for the past couple months. The main thing with bears, which aren't terribly uncommon in, in this area, is that you know you give them their space. If you leave them alone, they're really not a danger for the most part, other than maybe for very small pets or, or babies if they were outside unattended. Of course, if you have food or garbage that's left out, that could attract bears. So common sense is that you know you don't leave anything like that outside, especially in areas like Wassergoss. But that was the first sighting we've reported in some time. Good news last week came in the form of an announcement regarding one of the most historic structures in Lower Saucon Township. The Meadows Road Bridge across the Saucon Creek, which is just west of 412 in the township, was added to the National Register of Historic Places. The bridge was built in 1858 and was in use until about two and a half years ago when a routine safety inspection uncovered structural deficiencies. Since then, arguments have gone back and forth about whether the bridge should be replaced by a new structure or restored. Certainly the the existing bridge is a beautiful structure, but it's also obsolete in terms of its engineering. It's a single lane bridge with a hump in the middle that prevents you from seeing traffic on the other side of it. So there are some safety concerns with it. The county of Northampton owns the bridge, so ultimately they will be the ones making the decision about whether to restore or replace it. However, the fact that it's now listed on the National Register 
certainly is a plus for those who are in favor of preserving it. And township officials have spoken on the record stating that they would like to see it preserved. We love, you know, hearing your thoughts about subjects like this. So if you have any feedback about the bridge or comments, maybe memories of time spent on it fishing, something like that, we'd love to hear them. You can email us at josh at sockandsource.com. And if your memory or story is something the community might want to hear about, we could even share it on a future episode. In Springfield Township, the Springfield Township police are asking parents to please be patient as they drop off and pick up their children outside Springfield Elementary School. The area has become congested due to long lines of traffic of cars as parents wait to drop off or pick up their children. This has been an issue more so this year because fewer students are riding school buses due to the coronavirus pandemic and concerns about public transportation. So more parents are driving their kids to and from school. In business news, we investigated a closure of the Starbucks in the promenade shops at Saucon Valley. The store closed rather abruptly on Sunday, September 6th, and a sign was posted on the door saying that they were closed temporarily, but not giving a reason. We looked into that. We actually contacted a spokesperson at Starbucks and found out that the store was closed proactively after several employees exhibited COVID-like symptoms. The spokesperson confirmed for us Wednesday that two of the three employees that were tested have confirmed negative test results. They were waiting for a third test result as of Wednesday. If that's negative, the store in the promenade shops will reopen on Friday, September 11th. That's according to the spokesperson. And we have an updated story about the Starbucks closing on Sock and Source. Lastly, I'd like to take a moment to wish a special couple in Bethlehem a very happy 70th anniversary. Uh, My grandparents, Howard and Shirley Cox, are celebrating their anniversary today, September 9th. They were married September 9, 1950 in Bristol, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And during their 70 years of marriage, they've raised four children and been the grandparents to five grandchildren. I am actually the eldest of those five grandchildren, and it was an honor to join them in celebrating their special day over the weekend. Happy anniversary, Grandma and Grandpa. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership 
is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. Pleased to have Rebecca Gomez here again. Welcome back. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Rebecca is the owner of The Beauty of Dogs. She's a professional dog trainer. Her business is located in Fountain Hill, and that's how we got to know each other because I'm also in Fountain Hill some of the time. As small business owners, we connected, and, and it's been great because I've been learning a lot about dogs through you and we have a lot to talk about there's been a lot of changes in the world since the last time we met yeah. and that's one of the things I want to definitely discuss I actually looked back and I think when I was here last was in January yes right before shortly before things majorly changed in the world it seems more like three years ago. I know. I didn't. I didn't think it was this year at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I know. There's gonna be like that was like yeah phase one of no rain date because we went from November through March basically mm-hmm. with the initial series of episodes. Mm-hmm. It was like season one, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're into season two, post COVID. So basically, that comes up in just about every discussion because every business is affected by it and yeah you certainly are I mean you you primarily have been an in-person operation mm-hmm. which is the traditional way you train dogs sure. um, mm-hmm. but you've responded just like everybody to to the you know requirements to be healthy and safe and you know one of the things you're doing is offering remote lessons tell us a little bit about what that's like Sure. So when we had, you know, the shutdown of our state back in March, my business was shut down. And so until I think it was June 5th, I couldn't do any on-site, in-person training. But I was doing some online training uh, through the use of Zoom. And I previously had done some remote training with individuals that were out of the area 
And so it wasn't anything uh, brand new to me. And actually, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice change of pace. I mean, I definitely enjoy being with people in person and the dogs and working that way. But you can, especially in my type of training, there's a lot that we can do even if we are not able to meet in person. I had a lot of success with individuals doing training. I had some people from New York and Allentown, and, but I'm still doing that remote training and still offering it for those that maybe are just not comfortable doing in person or for one reason or another, it's better for them to be able to be at home and have that communication online. Or also if, if they're a distance away. I mean, actually tomorrow I have a lesson set up with somebody in Rhode Island. It's definitely an option. And like I said, I've seen a lot of success with it. And even one of those clients that I worked with throughout the shutdown afterwards when things opened up the one that was in Allentown I was able to go and have some in-person lessons and we had a lot of great success with that dog so it's a wonderful alternative and I would not say that it is kind of like the consolation prize I would say that it's still very effective and so I've been enjoying it. Right. Definitely something that people could conceivably want to continue, even mm-hmm. if COVID wasn't an issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had another family that did um, all their puppy training online. I also have the use of some Facebook groups that I can post video and show them those those things, handouts. And they also posted video of their training so that I can critique it and give them, you know, some pointers. Even if I'm not there in person to see it, I still still get to see things that I can help them to maybe improve upon. It's interesting because one of the interviews I did recently was with Ann Baum, who just published a book about interviewing and, you know, a lot of business is now conducted online through Zoom. And we Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, pet Zoom bombing, like Mm -hmm. job interviews or or (laughs) things like that. Cats, could Mm -hmm. be cats too, (laughs) but dogs as well. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's something you'll have to train dogs (laughs) for in the future, like, you know, not to you know, interrupt the, the Zoom conference call or something. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because a lot of the training that I do, you know, we've talked about the relaxation training that I teach, and that is something that for people who are now working at home and have to have Zoom meetings and so forth, you know, there's a, if a cat maybe bombs your Zoom meeting, you know, there's a usually a chuckle and right you know it's it's okay but if a dog is barking and whining right. and you know that's, that's what i'm thinking of yeah that's like you feel like it's a disaster mm-hmm. so definitely the work that i do helps individuals to be able to work at home without that going on without the dog you know needing to constantly have your attention which is also tricky because because of covid people are home And so they've had more issues with separation anxiety and and things like that because 
dogs aren't used to their people being away. They're not mm-hmm. used to leaving during the day, you know. So when that happens, you can find that the dogs are really struggling to figure out what to do about that. And so all the training that I do really helps prevent and also treat those uh, those types of issues. Wasn't, I might be mistaken, but wasn't there a big surge in pet adoptions too in the yeah. spring? Yeah, Dogs. it was a huge, huge surge of people adopting pets, especially puppies. A lot of people got new puppies. It has its pros and cons, you know, there's in the training world, there's some concern about that because of course people felt that it was a great time for them to have a new dog in their home because they had the time to spend with the dog and that's very true on the other hand it was a little bit of like a false sense for the dogs because if that's not your normal routine when you go back to normal routine how are you going to transition the dog and help them to know or to to cope with the fact that nobody's there all day to interact with them. And so, you know, we really want to see people working with their dog, not just that, okay, now I'm home and I can play with the dog or attend to the dog, but actually doing work that will help the dog be able to be left alone whenever that time comes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course it's great to have you know, record adoptions and and, mm-hmm. and shelters emptying out, but, you know, ideally people are adopting pets for, you know, purely altruistic reasons, not, mm-hmm. not events-driven reasons like the pandemic and, right. you know. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, you know, there's a, a time frame, particularly for puppies, when puppies reach about the eight month mark or so is often when you start to see them come back into the shelter system Hmm. or come into the shelter system for the first time because that can be a really difficult and challenging time and if people don't have any idea how to work with it or feel that it's just too much for them especially if it happens to coincide with them now going back to work or other changes in their life you know it's something that definitely concerns me that you could see an influx of returns to the shelter system and Hmm. I don't want that at all and you know when people get puppies they usually their thought about getting a puppy is well this is an opportunity to have what they might consider like a clean slate or a fresh start right maybe if they've had certain issues with a dog before they feel like well I'll get a puppy and I can you know teach it my way and it it will be good with other dogs and it will be good with people which is is a great thought unfortunately so many times I see people get puppies and then they don't work with them until they start having these same issues and then they think oh, okay I gotta work on this and a lot of times it is around that eight-month mark or somewhere in there and they've missed a lot of the windows to prevent any of that. Mm -hmm. So I try really hard to encourage people that, you know, as soon as you bring your puppy home, you should be speaking with a trainer. You should be speaking with somebody who's knowledgeable so that 
you know how to socialize them properly and how to interact with them appropriately and what kind of you know rest they need and what kind of structure they need and all of those things because you can prevent so much and you can create that dog that you want but it doesn't just magically happen because you got a puppy you do have to shape their world and if you don't know how to then you're likely to end up with a lot of things that you didn't want and have to work a lot harder later to change them yeah I, I've never understood how, I mean, some people sort of just accept, like, this, the bad behavior and, you know. Right, like, yeah. you know, you'll go over to, you'll, you'll walk into somebody's house with them and the, the whole place is torn apart and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's just Jake. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that's normal? Like, yeah. That's scary. And it seems like the the littler they are the easier it is for people to excuse the behavior and so forth. You know, the the small dog that kind of growls or kind of nips sometimes is not like the big, you know, 85-pound dog that right. does that. That's totally, is generally un- unacceptable, but a lot of people are, will accept it from a dog that's like 10 pounds. So in either case... If you look at it from the perspective of the dog and why they're doing it, and the fact that the dog is, there's something about the environment that's making them uncomfortable, that's making them do those types of behaviors. If you look at it from that perspective, then you should really want to help them to feel like they don't need to do that, those behaviors. I mean, of course, we don't want those behaviors because we don't want anybody to get hurt. But also because we want the dog to be happy and to feel comfortable, and so. Yeah, yeah. Bar- I mean, barking is another one. Like I, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen this around where you know the dog is outside and and it's like, rawr, rawr, and then the person keeps saying the dog's name. Mm-hmm. But it's not stopping right. barking. <laughs> right. So yeah. why do you keep saying its name? It's right. not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason. People just think that if they keep saying it, <laughs> something's going to change. Like, even if it's telling the dog to come, you know, come, 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 come. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, the dog is not listening at right. all. Like, right. everybody knows that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just, like, kind of going through these motions and yeah. with, with no real goal you know you know they know they're they're not doing anything Mm -hmm. but it's just maybe I don't know I don't know the psychology Mm -hmm. of the the people involved but it's interesting and that's something you obviously have to deal with Mm -hmm. but first they have to recognize there's a problem yeah and contact you Mm mm-hmm yeah they do Uh, or recognize that they don't want there to be a problem and that they have to right. actually get some knowledge to prevent those things from happening in the first place, you know. Let's t- talk a little bit about your sort of foundational philosophy for dog training and then we can talk more about like specifics including classes that you have that are coming up that might be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my uh, training system is training between the ears. And so in training between the ears, we're really addressing the 
emotional state of the animal because the emotional state really affects what the behavior is going to be. And so if we can have a dog that is, you know, positive about life in general, that isn't worried, scared, anxious, then we really have a dog that is easygoing and relaxed and approachable and happy to approach other people and dogs. But a lot of times we find that the behaviors that people don't want it are coming from an emotional state that is maybe either conflicted or feeling very negative. And so we really want to focus on that first and you'll see those behaviors change. And it's very interesting to see and to think about even for us as humans how our feelings affect the way that we interact and how you know those feelings change our, our behaviors or our reactions to various you know challenges or environments. So while dogs don't have the exact same emotions as humans, they do animals do possess emotions and we we want to have those in consideration as we work and we I find that that's a very humane way to approach training is that we're really taking into consideration the the thoughts of the dog and being aware what they're telling us about how they feel about things. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is just to clarify, I mean it's it's in contrast to being an obedience based trainer, mm-hmm. which is a more maybe more traditional approach. Yeah, yeah. So although I have nothing against obedience per se you know I think that obedience can be I, I usually think of obedience more so in a competitive way of training which can be it can be great for a dog and, and their owner or handler to work on different competitive type things whether they're games agility there's a lot of different things that people can compete in. But for your general companion, your family pet, a lot of the obedience is unnecessary. You really just want a dog that is friendly with people, with other animals, that is able to relax and but able to play without getting overstimulated that maybe they start nipping something like that or become obsessive about something you want a dog that isn't tearing up your house isn't chewing on the furniture and so I use a lot of relaxation techniques and reward based training in order to shape the dog to do behaviors that we like, that we find acceptable. And a lot of the behavior that isn't acceptable just kind of fades away. And other times we need to direct them so that they're not doing certain behaviors. But if we can reinforce the behaviors that we really like, a lot of times just that consistency and helping the dog to understand, oh, I have all these options, I have all of these things that I can do, that 
there's no issue with and in fact I find quite rewarding and find pleasure in then that's what the dog's gonna naturally seek to do mm-hmm. that's that's an important distinction for somebody that you know may not know you know a lot of the you know that there are types of different mm-hmm. schools of training and and not one size one size certainly doesn't fit all yeah sometimes people want they they come to me and they say well I want to do obedience training and I'll say okay well let me find out exactly what it is that you want to achieve with your dog and through that discussion a lot of times it's well I don't want them to jump you know I want them to walk without pulling me and believing that obedience is the only way to get that to happen. And so I suggest to them that there are other ways to get that to happen and actually ways that you don't have to continually be the one directing your dog, that we can actually help them to make those decisions on their own. And which, of course, if it's our decision or their decision, the individual's decision, they're more likely to make that decision over and over again more than if someone else is telling them to make that decision, right? I also do teach some obedience, such as sit, and of course, teaching the come command is really fundamental. It's important, it's a safety measure, and I was working with a puppy today that we were working on the come command, and so that's definitely something that I do teach, but to have it be more of a, something that the dog is like excited when you call them to come to you and they wanna come running to you rather than, you know, get over here (laughs) and they may slowly come to you or just ignore you, blow you off, you know, we don't want any of that. So those are, you know, things that we're talking (laughs) about. Sounds familiar being a cat owner. Oh yeah. I posted something last week, a photo of saying my cat had jumped up in his chair because I said, lay in your chair. Oh. <laughs> and my cousin was like, no, it's just a coincidence. He was going there anyway. But, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I can, you know, fool myself into thinking that he listens to me. So you do have two group classes coming up that mm-hmm. are starting at the end of September. One is a puppy class, mm-hmm. and then you also have your My Canine Companion class. Mm-hmm. And these are in person, but you are going to have the option to attend online, mm-hmm. which is great. So tell us a little bit more about, about those classes. So the puppy class is open to puppies that are eight weeks to about five months at the beginning of class. And we go over things such as basic care, creating default behaviors, which could be attention, going through the developmental stages so people understand what to expect at each stage that the puppy enters. There's different stages such as the stage where they're kind of always underfoot and clingy to you, and then comes the stage where they get real independent and they're like, forget you. <laughs> you know? All of those are natural stages, and, but it helps us to understand, oh yeah, this is, this is normal. 
because sometimes people will feel like, oh, what happened? You know, something's wrong because things have changed. So we talk about those. We go through the relaxation triad, which is three different exercises to create calm in your puppy. We also do some socialization and confidence building, helping to have a confident puppy and understanding handling. So, you know, it's really important for puppies to feel comfortable being handled by whoever it is, but, you know, especially if it's a dog that's going to the groomers or at the vet, any of those things are very important. So we discuss that and go over certain exercises to help with that. And also teaching how to walk on a loose leash. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's really this short amount of time that you have to shape the your puppy's world. Particularly with them learning about socialization both with people, with other animals, with different surfaces, with different objects, with different sounds, all of that, you only really have until the puppy is around 14 weeks. And then that window starts to close. And so after that, you're kind of reteaching them those things. And so that's why it's really important to get started as soon as possible. But you also want to do it in a specific way because if they have bad experiences, that can stick with them for a very long time too. So understanding how to expose them to different, you know, people and and when to and the fact that even puppies go through what's called fear periods and understanding what those are and understanding how to interact with the puppy if you find that they're in one of those periods is really important and can make big changes for just as the puppy develops. So those things we we cover in class. It's a six-week class, and my next one starts on September 23rd. They're on Wednesdays, and and it's uh, $199 for the six weeks. So I have a couple people enrolled already, but I do have a few openings right now. And then the other class that starts right after it, which is the next day on September 24th, Thursday, is my canine companion class. And so that's open to dogs six months and older, up to any age. And the canine companion class goes over a number of things similar to the puppy class. If you've taken my puppy class, you'll find that the canine companion class is kind of expanding on a lot of things that we talked about in the puppy class. I have my canine companion class open. I do have to interview and make sure that your dog is right to enter class. Sometimes it's just not the right setting for a dog, and then we might decide to do some private lessons. But in my canine companion class, We again go over those relaxation techniques. We teach some self-control and how to teach the dog about self-control. Again, talking about handling, because especially if your dog had missed that as a puppy, it's important to be able to teach them how to now approach handling by the vet. We talk about some commands such as sit and come 
and also get into gameplay. A lot of times people aren't sure exactly how to approach gameplay. You know, it sounds, seems really simple that, okay, well, I throw a ball or I throw a frisbee or I just throw a toy and they go get it and come back, right? But in fact, gameplay can be very complicated and I shouldn't necessarily say complicated, but complex. <laughs> and there's rules to gameplay in order to have a dog that knows how to stop some dogs are gonna, you know, want to just okay, keep playing with me, keep playing with me, right? And and or like, okay, I'm done right now. But also, some dogs get really overexcited in their gameplay, and so it makes people feel like, well, I don't think I can play with them in this way because they maybe make me a little bit nervous when I play with them. You know, I I've learned from wonderful mentor that. J. Jack, I went to a seminar of his, and he teaches multiple seminars on gameplay. And you know, I went to a two-day seminar, two eight-hour days of seminars. So that's one week that I focus on gameplay as well. And that class is eight weeks, and it's uh, two forty-nine for the class. So yeah, those are coming up, and the really really nice thing about my canine companion class is that it's a lifetime class so you are able to come back to that class anytime that it's offered and there's availability for you to be in the class you can come back and repeat the class and i've had several people come back and repeat the class and actually i have somebody signed up now that last time her dog wasn't ready to be in class she just attended the class and took in the information and went home and worked with her dog. But this time she's going to come back and bring her dog. Her dog is ready to enter class. So, and that's at no cost to her. So that's a, a really great deal, I believe, to mm-hmm. be able to at any time come back and take another class. And uh, I encourage people to do that. Right. And, and, I also wanted to mention, you know, because we're, we already touched on the topic of COVID safety, mm-hmm. but, you know, they are limited class sizes, so, mm-hmm. and, and you do have a very spacious facility. There's going to be plenty of room to mm-hmm. distance. You have air filtration in place, mm-hmm. so you don't have to be concerned about, about that. There's definitely a, an emphasis on safety, you know, with, with yeah. the, the current Mm-hmm. situation in mind. Yeah, that, and that's important to me. I am um, compliant, you know, with all the regulations, but also just I feel that I'd like to be have safety around my facility, and so masks are required uh, the whole time that you're, that you enter and are at the facility. Everyone must be masked, and we never have more than 25 people in the facility but very often it's actually under 10 people at the facility my classes are always smaller because i like to give more individual care but um, definitely with the current circumstances classes are small like you said social distancing is always in place there is a lot of space and there are also commercial type air filtration systems that I have there. So it's important 
to feel like, okay, I can go there and not have to worry about exposing myself, you know, to in any circumstances, so. Right. And you've been, you've been making some upgrades too, right? You, you're painting and... Um... Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I actually bought paint today. <laughs> oh, cool. So hopefully, hopefully next week or so, a painter will come and, and be doing some of that. So that will be nice. Mm-hmm. And you are at 502 South Cluel Street mm-hmm. in Fountain Hill. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really cool old factory building, actually. It's yeah. sort of like an incubator now with mm-hmm. a lot of different small businesses in it. Yeah, there's a number of businesses in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah, it's amazing when, you know, that there are that many in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize that until not that long ago. And of course, you know, people want more information. You have a great website, which has lots of information on it. Right. Um, www.beautyofdogs.com. Right. And, and you have a mailing uh, list that they can join. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mailing list. And also, if you want to sign up for any classes, you can either contact me through the website or you can also contact me by email at thebeautyofdogs at gmail.com or also um, on Facebook, The Beauty of Dogs, and also um, by phone, which is 484-892-6407. And you're on Instagram. Yep, I'm on Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. And I have to mention this, of course, we're going to have an article coming out too which is going to have all the information that you just highlighted regarding the classes mm-hmm. in it, as well as some other information that'll be on sawconsource.com in the near future. Mm-hmm. And of course, it'll have links to you know your website and, and everything else. So look for that. And um, in the meantime, check out the website. Yeah, and, and one of the other classes that is really always running, the only time in the past, I think, four years or so that it wasn't continuously going on was during shutdown. But I do have my socialization class, which is a weekly class that is for dog socialization. It's for both adult dogs and puppies. We just do a meet and greet to make sure that your dog is appropriate for class. But it's a it's really a great way to in a controlled environment under the supervision of a trainer have appropriate socialization and exposure to both people and dogs. Right. So that might be a good option for somebody who's sort of new to to this whole arena. And... Yeah, and even for, uh, you know, if I don't have a puppy class going on right at that moment, it's great for puppies to come to socialization class because that's really important that they immediately get into, get that exposure because time is of the essence. And so I have quite a few puppies right now in socialization class, some of whom will also be in puppy class. I said to them when they contacted me, I don't have a puppy class for a few more weeks, but come to socialization class. And so that's been working out really well. Right. Well, thank you for joining us again. This is such thank you. a pleasure. And like, 
I always want to talk to you for hours because, <laughs> because there's like so much involved in, in what you do and it just leads into so many other topics and I'm an animal lover of course mm-hmm. so um, I, I just think it's fascinating though like the, the behavioral aspects and I'm jealous because I have cats so <laughs> <laughs> they're beyond hope <laughs> oh I don't know <laughs> there's Jackson Galaxy right he works with yes mm -hmm. yeah yes but um but thank you again for joining us and we look forward to having you on again yeah thank you you so much more more (laughs) progress to share with us Mm -hmm. thanks we've been recording no rain date since late 2019 and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point we would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing what makes you tune in every week what ideas do you have for interview guests is there something that you think the podcast is missing feel free to share your thoughts whether they're good bad or indifferent with us you can do that by emailing josh at josh at com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. <laughs>